Welcome to the Spiritual Teamwork Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Crenshaw. Welcome back. We're continuing our overview look this week at the Didache. And last time we talked about the first six chapters, which is an early church catechism. This week we're going to start looking at the second part, which is directions on how to do church stuff like fasting, prayer, and the Eucharist. Next week, we'll get into the later chapters that deal with itinerant prophets and pastors. This makes up chapter 7 through 16. While this may sound like a lot, the Didache is only 20 pages long. But each thought is laid out in the translation as a chapter, which isn't found in the original text, but it makes it easier to find thoughts and, and passages like the translations of the Bible are laid out in thoughts and chapters. Again, I'm not going to go line by line, but there's a lot of good stuff in here. I just want to hit some highlights on each section and try to relay how we can use the Didache in our life today. So let's get to it. Chapter 7. Baptism. After the new convert had been taught everything in the first six chapters, they're ready to be baptized. That's another point we fall short on today, I think. We either rush people to get baptized out of fear of eternal damnation or teach them the history of our church and basic beliefs. The teaching in the Didache was a requirement. The early church wanted to make sure people understood what they expected of them before they were baptized. You know, I don't even know if I qualify to be baptized by their standards. The early church wasn't interested in numbers. They were interested in the truth of the gospel and making sure the community would last. You know, if Jimmy got baptized... He stood a good chance of being killed, or at least ostracized by his family and friends. I mean, remember, these people were looked at by society as a whole as pagans. They didn't worship the emperor. They didn't worship the gods of Rome. They were pagans to the general population. I also love this section on baptism because it starts out with a strict baptizing cold running water. Then it goes to, well, you can use lukewarm water if you don't have cold water, and if you don't have running water, then pour it over their heads. Finally, it just says, use whatever you have because how you baptize and isn't as important as why you baptize. Make sure they know the gospel and then baptize them. Chapter 8 is fasting and prayer. While today fasting is prescribed by the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church, most Protestant churches don't even have a set guidelines for fasting and some church bodies reject it completely. The writer of the Didache presumes people in the church fasted and gives guidelines of fasting on Wednesday and Friday instead of Tuesday and Thursday because the Pharisees fast on Tuesday and Thursday. The author gives no other restrictions, and I assume this is because anyone who read the document would know how to fast. Remember, this is a church coming out of the Jewish tradition. So they knew exactly what to do to fast. They didn't have to be told how to fast because they knew what to do. And they did it regularly. What he does do is give some direction on prayer. He says, say the Lord's Prayer three times each day. And I think this could be the first establishment of what the church calls today a, is praying the daily cycle or the hours or the watches. All of which are a set time throughout the day that some churches have set prayers for the daily cycle, and the Lord's Prayer is included in these set prayers. 
In the Orthodox Church, we have a set of prayers called the Trision. We have a prayer called the Trision, which is, Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. And we repeat that three times. Or the set of prayers called the Trision, which is the Trision prayer, the prayer to the Holy Spirit, and the Lord's Prayer. We start each of our daily prayers with the Trision prayer and most of our services. In the Orthodox Church, the strictest rules are midnight, sunrise, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., and then after dinner and midnight. And we keep this tradition today because it was set down early in the church, and the church said, this is a good thing, this is how you practice it. And it has changed over the years, over 2,000 years, but it was set down early in the church, and it's continued on today. Chapters 9 and 10 concern the Eucharist. According to the author of the Didache, the Eucharist is only for those people who have been baptized into the church. Orthodox and Catholic churches still follow this practice today, and maybe some Protestant churches do. But today, just about anyone can show up at most Protestant churches and receive communion. And as a former Protestant, I think we did this for a couple of reasons. First, communion is not looked at as the real body and blood of Christ, like it is in the Orthodox and the Catholic Church. It's a symbol of what Christ did for us and it is done in remembrance of his death on the cross. This remembrance view opens up to the second reason, which is inclusion. Today, most people in America believe they are Christians, and when they go to church, they take communion if it's offered. You know, we didn't want to turn people away because there may be an opportunity for evangelism there also. If they weren't actually members of the church, we could evangelize them. Again, these are my two thoughts on this. And there may be others, so leave me a note in the comments or go to Spiritual Teamwork website and leave them there. You know, Orthodox and Catholic churches practice closed communion for two general and opposite reasons from Protestant having an open communion. They believe that the Eucharist is the real body and blood of Christ. And for that reason, only those baptized into the body of Christ are allowed to partake, which is what the author of the Didache is saying. Second, Following Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 11:27-30, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died. You know, the first time I visited an Orthodox church, a guy told me how silly he thought closed communion was. It's not silly from the Orthodox point of view. According to Paul's teachings, if you are not right with Christ and you take the Eucharist, it can literally kill you. This is the body and blood of Christ and is due our utmost honor and respect, and that's why only people baptized into the church were allowed to take the Eucharist. This teaching goes back to the early church, where the Didache was written. The Christian community didn't want people coming and going. They wanted you to be sold out because this could literally cost you your life. They taught converts how to live a Christian life before they let them get baptized, and they didn't want just anyone taking the Eucharist. This was a secret society in every sense of the word because they loved Christ so much they didn't want anyone defaming his name. Maybe we should take a look at it that way. 
maybe we should look at the Eucharist a little different. We don't want people defaming his name and taking the Eucharist today. Let us love Christ. And when we take the Eucharist, whether we believe it's the real body and blood of Christ or just the remembrance, let us do it out of love for him and not because it's just something that we do. That's all for this week. We'll pick up next time and talk about the community of believers and how to determine who a real prophet or apostle is and who's not a real prophet or apostle. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.